he's referred to as the man in the back of the room and introduced as the voice of God. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, given Tony and Grammy award-winning celebrities direction, and lectured scads of students. But as he likes to point out, the event entertainment expert you don't know, you don't know, Anthony Bellata. And Bellatified. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Bolotified, the one only podcast about event entertainment and engagement. I am Anthony Bolotta, and I'm here, as I am every week, with the one and only Alex Apostolidis. Hey, Alex. Hello. Happy Monday. Woohoo! Here it is again. Monday, Monday, Monday. Didn't we just uh, have one? Happy Monday to you. Yeah, it's like they come so fast. <laughs> I think my Monday really starts Sunday night. That's probably why, because Ah. I'm one of those people that is already thinking about Monday morning, you know, on Sunday. So it's, uh, it's, it's sad. You got to live in the moment. I got to learn to, you know, live in the moment because Sunday is Sunday and shouldn't be thought of as Monday and Monday shouldn't be thought of until Monday, not Sunday. Exactly. I know I should, I should learn something here. Yeah. But who really does that? Yeah. I don't know. Do people, people, some people, I think, uh, you know, they relax. Do you, you're like me. I am, but I do try if possible on Sunday. Now I did work a little bit yesterday, but in the afternoon, but then I tried to shut it off. That's why I don't like, I don't have email doesn't ding on my phone, work or personal because I try to shut it off because once I see it, I can't, if I see it, I have to take care of it. That's just right. a little OCD. And if you hear it or you know, it's coming in, then you you're prone to look at it. So it's better just not to know. No email notifications on my phone. I'd like to see people get back to that as a post pandemic routine, preserving their weekends again, or at least their Sunday because we have forgotten how to do that. Sunday has become like any other day for those of us in business. And, you know, not that I'm complaining about doing business on Sunday, but there is something to be said about closing down, shutting down, and spending some time doing nothing. Exactly. You know, when when the business is there and it's necessary, of course, happy to do it, but it's not that way all the time. So again, that's that whole, that's that whole balance that we sometimes speak of. It's, you know, client needs 100%. We've got to do it, happy to do it. And then finding those downtimes, it's, it's so important. Well, and I think, you know, that's something the pandemic taught us is that the downtime is not going to kill us, number one. Mm-hmm. And number two, when you have this sense that everybody's in the same boat or everybody, the world is closed, if you will, then it's easier to breathe. And the feeling that you've got to get something done or you have to be productive or somebody's waiting for something or you owe somebody something, it dissipates because the whole world is shut down and you, and you can just relax. And so that's the, that's what we're missing mm-hmm. in, in modern day living, right? Because it's a 24 seven world. 
there's always something happening. You're never shutting down fully. And if you, you know, are conscientious and you want to get things done correctly and, you know, you don't think like a narcissistic ass, you know, you, you're concerned about your performance and you want to do things correctly. And then, you know, having some downtime helps. It does. It does. It sure does. That smile on the face too. Yes. I mean, I, I don't know about everyone else, but I can say that when the pandemic started and we were first given those stay-at-home orders, I felt a sense of acquiescence and it was fine. Like, what could I do? There was really nothing I could do. So I just had to relax and deal with it. And what helped was the idea that we were all in the same boat. Exactly. I knew I I'd be. Took a, I even took a day, one day, and this is not something I do in the middle of the day. I Because what I was working on was important, but it wasn't a deadline thing. So I took a two-hour break in the middle of the day a couple of times and went for a walk. That, well, I'm not always going to be able to do this. I can do this now, so I'm going to take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to tell you, I, I really enjoyed that. I think that you should make that a part of your daily routine, you know, so that you feel energized and you take a break when your body and your mind say, I need a break <laughs> because then you're not really being productive. Right. You know, I, I, I'm one of those people that will stare at the computer screen for hours, not getting a single thing done. Just usually when I'm writing or I, I have mm-hmm. to be creative And it just makes so much more sense to stop, close down, go for a walk, breathe some fresh air, and then come back and and try again, rather than just try to push through, which usually amounts to very little at the end of the day. And even more exhaustion, because now you've closed down at the end of the day after not being as productive as you wish you were. And you bring that to bed with you. Rather than taking a break in the afternoon and, you know, allowing yourself to reinvigorate. So anyway, and, you know, those of us in this field of planning know that our lives are very, rarely is, is my life my own, right? Because events have deadlines and the closer you get to one, the more that is needed to do. And so you, you just, you end up spending a lot of time working. Yeah. That's just the way it is. It's the way, it's the way it is. It's the way it is. It's not a nine to five. It's not for you nine to fivers. So we spent the last couple of months um, going back and forth with the, um, the California labor commissioner, the department of labor, uh, renewing our contract, uh, We've been a licensed agent for as long as I can remember, been in business 26 years. And uh, this was the first year we had to revamp our contract to retain our license and uh, had to sort of get through a few hurdles to do that, but we did it. And last week, our contract was approved by the the labor commissioner of the state of California, which just gives me 
it makes me feel incredibly great because we have always been a licensed agency. Uh, I believe that we are one of few, if if there are even any other licensed talent agencies in the business. And, uh, and I'm glad that we were able to retain it. And what makes me so happy is that the, the agency license, what is familiar to the state of California is the traditional sense, the traditional label or de definition of an agent, which is you've got a stable of talent that you um, represent exclusively, you sign with them, you, um, in that signing, you are able to give them career advice and, and help them to uh, curate the, the right look and wardrobe that, that all comes with the job, but you're only handling an exclusive roster of talent. And so when somebody comes to you, they're coming to you for one of those talents, right? And you're basically saying, okay, go out on this call, go to this audition, go to this callback, you book this job. And, uh, and that's how you make your money as an agent. But we do it very differently in our industry. Uh, we propose artists, we represent our artists, but they're not exclusive necessarily. They can get work from anywhere and anyone. But when we represent them, uh, we do so with our wraparound of services. And that's helping logistically, that's giving clients proposals, that's being on site, which a traditional agent doesn't do. It's keeping the keeping up with the changes, uh, making those changes, uh, keeping everybody uh, moving in the right direction in the same direction, and also handling uh, costuming and backline and production when it's necessary. So the, the job, as we know it as an agency, is different in the live event world than it is in the traditional sense. And so I was able to get the labor commissioner to understand that and to uh, understand some of the needs that we have in our artist contract and to sign off on them uh, where there's been no precedence. Uh, and so I'm just pleased as punch that we've been able to do that. I think it separates us. And uh, I think it's important because what it shows is our commitment to the artist and to fairness and equitability and to uh, making sure that we're we're handling our business correctly. I think it's wonderful. And I think it, like you said, it proves to our artists that they are very important to us, you know, that and and them being taken care of is something that we take great pride in. Mm. For sure. You know, it's definitely a two-way street. And I might have said this before, but I remember when I came into this business in the 90s and there were no protocols for artists. There were no, there was very little respect. And the calls that I would get from clients were calls that I got because they didn't want to deal with artists. And, uh, you know, we're a breed. And, you know, that, you know, for sure, we have our idiosyncrasies. But at the end of the day, the artist has as much stake in the event as anybody else, because the artist is there to do their best work and to do what it is you want them to do as your client. And I think we forget that. I think what happens is, and it's not necessarily a derogatory thing that happens. I think there's an, a bit of a naivete that talent is easy. 
and that people who play an instrument or, or who have this extraordinary talent can deal in any situation. It's just so easy and fluid and it, it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't require any prep, which is completely off base, right? Yes. <laughs> but I think that's sort of a, a naivete. I'm not going to call it an ignorance, but a naivete yeah. that our, our clients have. Uh, that many people have about artists in general, you know, that they can deal with it. It's easy for them. Oh, sure. They can play it. Oh yeah. They're so, you know, that sort of thinking, but that's not the case because the best artists that we have, as you know, are the ones who are prepared mm -hmm. not only for their job, but for whatever could happen while they're on that job. And so it's, it's a very, it's, it's, it's much easier than I think we make it at the end of the day. And there was no reason, never any reason to alienate the artists because at the end of the day, they wanted and they still want exactly the same thing. They want to, for the event to be a success, for their performance to be a success. And for them, they want to walk away feeling good. And for them, that means doing a good job. That doesn't mean eating the food from your buffet and drinking your beverages um, necessarily, which is, which is what people thought at one point. Uh, we have a remarkable stable of talent and we work with only the most consummate professionals because we understand that they are there to do a job and they want to do the best job that they possibly can. And any questions they ask, any, any concerns they have are should be heated because they're not coming from necessarily from a place of narcissism. They're coming from a place, a desire to do the best that they can for you, the client. That just sort of gets lost in the translation most yes, of the time. Unfortunately it does, but that is ultimately every yeah. artist, most artists. Right. And goal. It really is. All right. So talking about getting lost in the translation, Let's introduce our guest today because it's her job to make sure that the exact opposite happens, that nothing gets lost in the translation, right? In the way that you communicate. So give it to us, Alex, who is she? She is known as the event marketing maven, which I love, the event marketing maven. So our guest today lives, eats, and breathes marketing for the event and meeting industries. She's a consummate social media enthusiast, and her innate ability lies in helping companies create an online presence through smart and engaging marketing strategies. She's a national speaker and educator on social media for event businesses and at events. Oh, gosh, she's served as a marketing chair for Wish Upon a Wedding Orlando. That's kind of really cool. She's been featured in so many different publications, including Fast Company, Crane's New York Business, Special Events Magazine, and Biz Bash, right? Mm. Some of the um, top publications. Uh, and she's received many, many accolades. The couple of examples, 2015 Meetings, Net Changemaker. She's a two-time nice. Biz Bash. Florida Reader's Choice Award nominee, um, three-time Spotlight Award finalist for Marketing Professionals of the Year. I mean, she's really amazing. So please welcome owner of Beat Creative, Michelle Berkstein Fontanez. Hello, Michelle. Hello. So I'm literally in the closet because if I'm in any other room of my house, my husband is so loud. You know, he's 
He's Bronx born and bred. So I love it. He like he's like, shut the door, take out the dog, pick that crap up. You're gonna hear him. <laughs> I, like, I want to hear him. I want to hear him. <laughs> I'm like, I gotta get in the closet here. That's so funny. Well, we know that you have company and that this is a crazy day for you. So we appreciate you coming on with us and taking a few minutes of your time to talk to us about event marketing. Uh, because I, you know, I think that's sort of a misunderstood idea by many still. The need and an afterthought, one. yes, definitely. And an afterthought, right? So so let's get right into it if you don't mind. So in your mind, what are the facets of event marketing? What's important? Well, it's really timely that we talk about this because I have an event this Saturday that we're doing all the marketing and branding for. Um, and our headliner is CC Winans. So it's mm -hmm. very, very um, exciting for our local town. And we, my company, Event Industry Marketing by Be Creative, we're actually a small boutique firm. Um, and Anthony has known me before I even started my company. Mm -hmm. um, I guess we've known each other now like 12 years. Yes. So, um, it's been a while and just, you know, before my, my upcomings in, you know, my own business and my own marketing, I used to help companies and I still do. I help companies like Anthony's, you know, with their, you know, marketing, their website, their branding. So we still do that. And we still have clients that we work with on a day-to-day -day basis and we manage their social media and we do websites and any other traditional collateral, like if they need roll up banners for trade shows or any collateral items. So we're still doing that. And that's kind of our heart and soul of our business and new technology, because as we've seen throughout the years, social media is a huge proponent mm -hmm. in event marketing. What is that one overlooked item when it comes to event marketing is you have to treat an event like your brand like an event has a life you know it has a theme it has a vibe it has a feeling so how do you convey that to a potential audience you have to get them excited you have to create this brand that defines the event and um we've done that for our city and um which is kind of interesting because this event has evolved throughout the years um, because of all the social unrest in our community. Mm -hmm. So originally our event um, in Ocoee was called Ocoee Founders Day Festival. I was going to ask if it was Founders Day. And um, so, but as our community got increasingly diverse, um, there was an issue, you know, when all of these national headlines have made news about, you know, just racial injustices, you know, I mean, this is a huge thing going on. And this is pre-pandemic, right? So, and this is um, Orange County, Florida. This is Orange County, Florida. And I didn't even know this. And a lot of different citizens didn't know this either. But um, Ocoee was one of those cities known as a sundown town so i'm not sure if if everybody that's listening knows what that is i had to learn about it myself because being from the east coast you know 
we don't really learn about all this slavery minutia mm -hmm. details that has happened in the South. Um, because, you know, New York is very diverse and very liberal. But so we find out that Ocoee is a sundown town. And then there's all this controversy behind the event. Why is Ocoee having a music festival that honors the founders who are notably racist, racist and right. literally burned down African-American homes and chased them out of Ocoee? So um, it just got a little crazy. And the mayor was actually um, the, the, one of our um, congresswomen. Um, I don't know, you probably know her. She made headlines too, because she was one of Joe Biden's um, candidates for vice president, um, Congresswoman Val Demings. Mm -hmm. She called the mayor literally a week before the event. I was like standing right in front of the mayor when he got the call. And she's like, you need to cancel the event. This event is the same weekend as the Okoe massacre. Because it, the Okoe massacre back in 1920 was that day of this mass race riot. So she's like, you need to cancel the event. And imagine getting a call like that when you have all your sponsors, all your headliners, everything lined up. So, you know, it was a very uncomfortable situation, but, um, you know, the mayor apologized and, you know, we kind of put it on the burner. I hate to say it like that, but we did put it on the back burner and we actually then took it to our city's human relations diversity board. So they're one of, the boards within our city, just like the Parks and Rec have a board, an advisory board. Um, we are one of the few cities in the entire state of Florida that has a human relations diversity board, which is committed to um, activities, events, promoting, you know, racial diversity in our community. So we kind of put it on their plate to you know, put together another event, which I was a part of this event as well, which we had a day of remembrance event this past November, because it marked the 20th anniversary. And the mayor had got that phone call from the Congresswoman on the 18th anniversary. But this past year marked the 20th anniversary. And I do have footage from the event, I would love to share it to you guys like offline. But um, we did all the video production for that event. And, um, you know, we had our um, Orange County mayor come and speak, who is Val Demings, his husband, uh, Mayor Jerry Demings. And we did a full proclamation of the day, honored all the descendants that died in the Okoe massacre. And um, we did a candlelight vigil and we erected a plaque in the park, which is where we have all our events for the, the city that, you know, notated the, the event and, um, you know, paid homage to the descendants. So, so, so yeah. So you turned the tide. So we what turned the, the tide, yes. What's definitely. the event called now? So um, now the event is called the Ocoee it was a Koei Fall Music Festival, but 
we're still planning on, you know, the specific day. So it's evolving into just the Akoi Music Festival. Mm. And Cece Winans, is that so, your first African-American artist? So no, actually, um, the funny thing about Founders Day is, you know, it got a bad rap, but it wasn't really about founder the honoring the it was founders. about the music right it was about, it was the about community. really founding yeah, the city right. right right um but it got you know kind of just misinterpreted right and blown out of proportion and they actually because it is a country music festival you know because that the demographic down here is is very um you know adapt mm -hmm. to that type mm -hmm. of genre but in the past we had um, I believe it was the OJs had performed. Oh, sure. So, so they money, tried, money, money, money. right. So they tried, you know, R&B artists. And actually in 2014, no, 2016, we had Pat Benatar and she oh. was, she was incredible. She's I, a that, rocker. Yeah. She literally with Neil Gerardo, they played through the rain. I mean, they were amazing where, wow. you know, you have some artists that are like, I'm not playing through the rain. Bye. You know, so I mean, my hair will get wet. Yes. <laughs> my equipment, like I can't get my, I can't get the crisscross yeah. rain into my equipment. Right. But, um, but going into this event, we now, and this is the importance of marketing. So crisis marketing, how do you, you mm -hmm. know, um, shift and pivot and rename? And this brings me to now present day, and we have on Saturday this new event. Um, and this was a you know a brainchild idea from our mayor who raised all the sponsorship money for this event. Um, you know, CC Winans is the headliner. Um, the um, upcoming acts are the Isaacs and Brotherly Love, other you know kind of contemporary Christian um, entertainment bands, but the premise for this event was in lieu of of a Koei fall music festival because we're getting bombarded on our facebook page about when's the date who's the acts like people want an event now yeah and, you know with the pandemic everything's been just push 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 and the mayor was like we need to put something together that brings our community together we need an event that could cater and, you know, and address our diversity in our community, but also bring us together. So this event is called Inspire, Unite and Uplift. So it's it's bringing and I and it has that gospel uplifting mm -hmm. Christian um, music. But that kind of works in a good marketing perspective, too, because the power of the churches is a powerful marketing tool. And this is when we go back to event marketing, we got to think about who is our audience. And I, and until I did the research, I didn't even know how powerful mm -hmm. that gospel Christian mm -hmm. contemporary music is. Mm -hmm. And if you saw, and I was, I was blown away and I don't like this kind of music myself, but um cc winans performed with carrie underwood on the cmas i mean and her new single is like incredible it doesn't feel like you're listening to you know a gospel type of song right you know 
Um, but it wouldn't matter anyway with your demographic. It sounds that yeah. she would she she's going to do just fine with the demographic, nonetheless. How many people at this event traditionally? Well, the, or at, oh, the, at the festival. Saturday, yeah, the festival. It's a two-day event and it's a free event. And um, and I and again, I I think I shared the video with you, Alex, of our last um festival. Um, it gets about ten thousand people there. That's great. So, I mean, it's it's in the first year that we did it in twenty fourteen. I actually did a social media wall where I did all the social media monitoring. We had people posting and, and that was incredible. Like it was, it was phenomenal, but it was very challenging because with the internet connection in that big area. And, and we know now um, just with internet and dependent on how many people are on the internet, it Mm -hmm. clogs up the whole Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. connection so you know it's a little it's a little crazy but worth it you know um, sure so I a question for you so what do you say to the planner who has an internal event or an employee event and doesn't feel that marketing is necessary well I think that it would you know deter their you know audience count as well I mean I mean, we go to all these conferences, Anthony, and and the best events that are created are experience-driven events. Mm-hmm. Like an event is an experience, like from the food to the entertainment to the design, you know, how do we want our attendees to remember the event? And it starts from that initial invitation. Mm-hmm. Like creating that vibe and you know since I last saw you I I did a huge event for two clients actually for one of the plastic conventions uh three years ago 2018 um and we did two divisions of the plastic company like it was the same company but I was working with two different um, DMCs, yeah. uh, DMCs, two different companies, and they both wanted to work with me because they knew we had to create a vibe. And one was like a beachy theme. So like the importance of that invite, not just the invite design, but it carries through the badges. It mm-hmm. carries through the menu. It carries through the, mm-hmm. the event and directional signage. I mean, it's a whole it's a whole experience. But what about actually marketing the event? And and so we we do a lot of these internal events with clients and they're usually free for the employees, right? But so I think there's this sense that we don't need to spend money on marketing the event because it's a free and B, it's already a perk. So we don't need to spend the money marketing. I disagree. I think that you want to really push on the message that this is the, the event is going to be a not to be missed experience. And the way that you do that is you constantly remind people, especially in today's world when we're so last minute and what's in front of us is what we have to deal with. Right. Because, and they have right? to be constantly reminded. Mm-hmm. But right. 
but I read on this event industry board, um, and I don't know if you've checked out that new social network clubhouse. Yeah, I have. On it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, Liz King, she she was in on a clubhouse room. I don't know what room it was, but she made a comment a few weeks ago about a speaker saying that you know it's not very effective to keep bugging people like keep emailing and emailing because it's like like if you were going on a date right would you want somebody like you know keep bugging you like don't forget don't forget don't forget like it would be annoying right it would be if it was the same damn message it would yeah. be if it was the same email that's just sent over and over right. again that yeah. would be but that's not marketing yeah you're right and marketing needs to be engaging like i agree like me typically um when i'm the attendee i i want to be reminded because you're right i will forget and i know and i could tell you as a consumer when i get emails from like bath and body works or you know my favorite retailers and they're like oh flash sale or um you got to look at our newest you know candle or fragrance or you know it's like you said, Anthony, you got to mix up the message, mm -hmm. but you have to make it appealing to them. Like, okay, what's on the menu? Or what's the mm -hmm. venue? Like mm -hmm. highlighting specific features that make it more attractive for them. Right, right, exactly. And also understanding the fact that there's diversity in your audience, even if you're dealing with a very mono, uh, uh, homogenized audience there's still diversity some people are going to be excited by the venue as you just said some people are going to be excited by the menu some people are going to be excited by the entertainment so you want to diversify and hit on those points differently so that you're grabbing people in the ways that they would be grabbed right exactly yeah and i i i i'm sorry but i do like to be poked and annoyed because <laughs> You know, my, my schedule is kind of crazy. So like, you know, I need that reminder, you know, or who's going to be there or the guest list, like a sample right. of the guest yeah. list, right? Because what if you've been dying to connect with this one person that you haven't seen in like years, right? So. Yeah, see, I think most of us who don't like to be annoyed, forget that there are people who are not annoyed. Yeah. Like you. You know? Yeah, that is true. Because again, you could just delete the email, you know, like. Right. Yeah. That's easy. Well, there, and I think, you know, you generate excitement over something and then you create a buzz over it and then everybody's talking about it. And that just promotes everything about your business, your company, as well as the event. Yes. And I think focusing on imagery and less on text oh, is key as well, right? Definitely. I mean, you're going to grab us with a great photo. Today, I got an email. We have a new venue in town that's been the talk of the town for two years. It's a new concert venue. Today, I got an email about it. And the first thing I saw was a photo uh, rendering, actually, of the venue. Gorgeous. And I was immediately taken in because of that photo. And I wanted to read the rest rather than the first thing you see is four paragraphs of text. Oh, I no, people don't like to read. I mean, 
like all the new websites that we work on, Anthony, like you can't really write like a novel. Like you could say that for the about page, but right. other than that, like every page has to be highly visual and, you know, just little snippets of text that just, you know, call to actions that draw you in. That's it. So. Very smart. So what do you, um, you, we did notice on your website that you work with clients that are outside of the hospitality industry and you do some of the more traditional aspects of marketing for them. But what are your, what is your bailiwick? What do you love to do? I love the event marketing. I love doing, um, just creating the brand like we talked about earlier. And then also putting together like on site the day of the event, like capturing all the action. Like um, I have a um, phenomenally talented photo and video team here in Orlando. Um, and we just, we just capture the event because that's another important part of marketing that everybody forgets is creating that kind of, what do we call it? Archive, right? Archive right. of the event, like capturing the excitement, the in, entertainment, right? Everything. In three to it, four minutes, right? Yes, in three to four minutes. It's challenging. And then if you're doing it year after year, how do you come up with the mm -hmm. story of that video the next year, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we did that with the Akoe Music Festival. Like the first year, we just did it flashy. You know, we captured the act, the music, the crowd. And then the second year, I was like, we can't do it like that. Let's do the video in the perspective of the, uh, of the um, attendee. So our, our biggest attendee is the family, right? So we followed a, like, Living in the community has its perks when you're putting together the video, right? So right. I enlisted one of my friends and um, they live in a Koei. They go to Koei schools, everything. So they were our family and we followed them through the event to highlight each part of the event. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it was just, you got to change it up. So you got to think about that as well from the marketing perspective like how do you keep selling your event and not and keeping it fresh right. and, and different and wouldn't you agree that video is king now especially oh God, with yes. youtube and the way that we're marketing that and and that that the argument against spending money on marketing is that or on video i should say is that it really is a great marketing tool and it doesn't die you can use it forever and ever and ever as long as you can access the footage you've got footage that can help tell your story yes exactly and you could use different snippets of it and and this gets me excited because this is the part of like i said this is what i'm passionate about with the marketing and as social media evolves like i gotta i gotta hire d'angelo because he has mastered the TikTok, right? Yes, he has. Now, TikTok <laughs> is a whole new animal, let me tell you. So, like, mm -hmm. I am experimenting it, and my subject is my son. Like, he's the only, my, oh, my kids now, believe it or not, because 
Alex, I met Anthony when I was pregnant with my 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 middle mm -hmm. child. Okay. So she's she, 12. She's 12. Okay. Wow. Okay. And she's in middle school. She don't want nothing to do with me anymore. Okay. Oh. So, so then, then back when we had our event conference in Orlando, I was pregnant again. And now my baby boy, he is five years old. So he's my subject, Anthony, for my experimenting with TikTok. But like TikTok is another vehicle that could be used for event marketing. Like, like, you know, I love how D'Angelo would have like the green screen with the person in the back. And then he'd be like, like, I, I'm like, I'm his stalker. I just watch his videos. Uh, he I, loves that. I, I get these different ideas from them because, you know, TikTok is such a new tool, like, mm -hmm. The corporate arena is like scared of it because it's very, it's very young and the mm -hmm. way you use it, it it's kind of risque too. So, but it throws in the new challenge, Anthony, cause you said, oh, putting an event video in a three to four minute timeline. Yeah, that's right. a challenge. But the TikTok is like a 30 to 60 <laughs> second. Right. Yeah. Right. With a lot going on. A lot going on. Right. Yeah. Well, so. that's, that's, and you know, with your point, they're also training a new generation of video watchers, which will insist that there is a lot going on in the videos. You know, they're, they're, they're actually going to want videos that are more creative and, exactly. you know, get, tell a story better that pop out at them. They're going to be looking for these kinds of uh, technologies. And, and, and just tell D'Angelo this, that his videos helped my daughter win the middle school TikTok challenge. She got in second place. So I just watched the videos from everybody, D'Angelo, another client of mine who does a lot of TikTok videos. And you know how they, they, they point, like they put the text. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are just quick ways to like, like you said, convey a message, you know? And it's like you said, everybody's attention span is dwindling and dwindling. And like you said, this next error of, of attendees, of employees, like they're going to be, it's, it's really, you know, forcing you and your business to shift. How do we produce our entertainment right. for our clients? Like, I mean, it's, it's like, you've got to evolve or die, right? <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, it, I won't get political here, but it sort of goes along with that whole mask thing. Mm -hmm. You know, you just sort of have to go with the flow and do what's necessary uh, and not take such an, a personal stance. Yeah. Every I mean, time. you want to live, put the damn mask on, right? So, how does, um, you know, we're talking a little bit about younger audiences. And I remember specifically the Super Bowl this year used Snapchat filters. Um, in some of their um, their visuals. And so that says to me, they're really, really, really looking for that young audience. And we know that younger audiences are cause, causal audiences. The, the young the Generation Z wants to know that you're doing good in the world. Yes. So how does that affect marketing and how do you incorporate that into your work? Well, and this goes back to the corporate clientele that you're talking about too, right? So mm -hmm. we have to incorporate this giving and doing good into the marketing mix too, right? So we have to have 
some type of charitable give or idea. And um, I'm going to plug again my daughter because I'm also a Girl Scout troop leader. So, 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 you know, doing Girl Scouts is about doing good for the community, but it's also teaching them about these valuable lessons. So, um, you know, I like to even say, even with our marketing, you know, when we're doing the festival, we always have a charitable component in there. Um, and it's just another facet of the marketing, you know, for that event that, you know, shows this human side to the business that they care. They're not just doing this to do it. And, right. and as you know, now the way the economy is now post COVID, it's like, you know, we know recruiting people is going to be harder than ever nowadays too. So like a company's mission statement has to kind of be genuine and authentic for, you know, someone to say, yeah, I want to commit myself to working there because, Mm -hmm. you know, not everybody's going to be able to pay more than $15 an hour. I hate saying that, but you know, yeah. So I think corporate clients should think more hard about that, always incorporate that. I mean, you know, in corporate events, we always see like a team building or a charitable mm-hmm. component in it. Um, and for what? the for the events, like it's more about giving back to the local community. So um, with our um, Founders Day, formerly known as, but now known as a Koei Music Festival, our second day of the event, we do a 5K in the morning and we have a beneficiary for the 5K. So, I mean, it is old school, you know, the whole charitable doing good, you know, caring for our environment. Um, it is, it is old school. It's a traditional component of marketing, but now new school is the CDC requirements for the event so that's been a hot button like of course gotten, yeah we've gotten so many inquiries about like and you know florida is florida mm-hmm. but uh, you that's what love, i call it but you gotta love it um i'm born and raised <laughs> but we you know people were sending me messages through our event website like oh is the mask mandate you know do we have to wear masks like i don't want to drive all the way down here from jacksonville if i have to be mandated to wear a mask and you know guess what my response is to that we are following the cdc guidelines so Mm -hmm. vaccinated people can they're not obligated to wear a mask but unvaccinated people that will be at your own risk because I mean, that's all we can do. I mean, right. we, we are doing, you know, those chalked off little areas of seating, but you know, you can only control what you can control. And it's kind of like an ice skating rink where you got to put up a sign that says, enter at your own risk. We're all right, not- so I have to ask you then, and I know that we're running out of time, but I do want to ask you this question. Will you have people at the event checking for vaccination cards? not see so there i'm i'm with you on that anthony trust me i am vaccinated i am fully vaccinated and i still wear a mask because i i don't this honor system is just for the birds 
And then because you have people that are asking if they have to wear a mask, if they're going to drive down from Jacksonville, that's obviously somebody who doesn't really care about anybody but themselves. But sorry, I, I can get really passionate about this. I get you know, you. I have a 16 year old, Michelle, and that's something she and I talk about. And we're both she's fully vaccinated as well. And she says, like I do, I'm going to wear it regardless in a public setting like that. So I make other people feel comfortable. Right. Because they well, don't know that I'm vaccinated. Right. And if it helps with that, mm -hmm. it's a good thing. So that goes back to this generation being so much more aware than I think our generation was at that age. And they're mm -hmm. all about doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I'm getting it. Like I also manage the mayor's Facebook and his social media. So he was at a grand opening event this past weekend. And this one woman made a comment already that said, why is everybody wearing a mask? Like I was in winter garden just the other day and it was so refreshing for nobody to be wearing masks. And I'm like, we're not even gonna, uh, we're not even gonna acknowledge that woman's comment, you know, cause we're just gonna. <laughs> because there's no, re let's make it a hypothetical question and just move on because right. There's no sense in answering that. And why that anybody would even ask that question is kind of foolish, I think. Definitely. It's really amazing. I didn't even think about how this pandemic has changed the way that you have to uh, answer the public, especially that you have the mayor, you know, of counting on your responses to be, um, you know, respectful and uh, kind. But social media, what I've seen now in the past couple years, too, gives everybody after the previous administration gives everybody the power to be nasty. Even mm -hmm. people that claim that they're good churchgoers right. are nasty. They, right. they have that microphone on social media and they're big, um, you know, bullies online. But then when you confront them in person, they'll be like, I didn't say that. Mm -hmm. Interesting. <sighs> oh my goodness. Um, and you are very, you are your online presence is is I assume very large, and you are in and around and dealing in social media constantly. I assume that that you personally, because of your your profession, you're really working the social media, or you're at least aware. And oh and no, I'm aware. It. I'm more of a voyeur than I used to be. Like. You know, when we first met, I was on it hard, but I've kind of drilled back a little bit, but I'm still aware, you know, because, you know, we're doing different techniques for clients. Like, you know, I'm trying to keep up with the Joneses here. Um, and if you want a really interesting eye-opening view of social media, and if you have HBO Max, there is an amazing documentary on there called Fake Famous that I highly recommend watching because oh. it's like, it's a really eye-opening view of like how these younger millennials and the exennials are really like just the way they see social media. It's interesting. So, um, and it's just getting harder, you know? Um, yeah. we've, over the years, I mean, we've gotten like, you know, in 2014, that was our peak year. We had so many clients 
but then a lot of people drop off. They think they could do it themselves. They don't realize right. all the minutia behind it. But it's just getting harder because there's so many new features. And it's just like, they, you know, it, yes. it's just challenging. It's so. challenging. And there's so yeah. many apps yes. to use. Um, you know, I just, I get flustered just keeping up with my messages because there's WhatsApp, there's instant messenger, there's texting. It was like, I'll see it come up in a notification and then I have to find it because it yeah. could be in any, and all we're doing is confusing people and segregating our messages when it's so important to just try to get it out there in front of everyone. There's so many channels, you know, there's just so many ways that people are getting their information. It does make it harder. And so your job is, how do you, my last question before we play a little game, because then I think we have to let you go. How do you measure ROI in your business? I think uh -huh. that's gotta be the question du jour, right? Well, the way we measure ROI is the holy grail of Google Analytics. And, and of course, the insights we get on Facebook and Instagram. And really, it's still a game. It's still challenging at the end of the day because, you know, the ROI, the, the metric to see success is how many people went to our website. But the problem with the way you market on Facebook and Instagram is you don't want, like they don't want to go off of Facebook or Instagram. So I like to tell clients like Facebook and Instagram is really more about visibility and branding because you don't want to just disrupt that user to have them go to your website. Um, but then again, that's the only way they're going to be able to show the ROI, you know, like we're right. investing all this money, but guess what? Facebook, Instagram, it's a new billboard, you know, and you wouldn't be, you could, you cannot specify and quantify how many people saw a billboard. They could only, right. you know, clear channel and all those billboard companies, they could only give you estimates of this gets this many eyes a right. day but you don't really know that click through of if they saw the billboard, are right. they going to go to your website later? Right. They might forget, but you know, social media is that new billboard. It's the new, you know, bus shelter ad or bus ad. I mean, that's how people are being reached nowadays, but the only way that you could really measure it, if you have that product or service, because you know, they might not need your service at that right. moment. So it's right. all about that brand awareness and top of mind. So it's, it's such a challenging quandary. But then the other thing that we're seeing when we help clients with their websites is then we take them to kind of like an evolutionary track, like we'll do their website. Um, and then after their website is up, we'll do some SEO because SEO is the next kind of like, you know, mm -hmm. plateau for them because it's like, I want to be on the first page of Google. I want to be synonymous with the best entertainment company in San Diego or, you know, whatever that keyword is, that's kind of like the next step. Like we call them baby steps. You get your website up, you know, um, you get all your images named with those search terms, you know, you put, your copy needs to be compelling, but it also needs to have all those keywords in it. Right. So it's like, 
we could go on and on about this topic, but at the end of the day, the grail is just really like, we want to see the metrics. How many people, you know, visited the website from Facebook, from Instagram? How many, how many impressions did that Facebook post get? Um, but the one thing that I tell all our clients is this is a team effort. Like everybody at the company also has to be sales and marketing advocates, share that post comment on it that helps the visibility and the exposure of your social post good points don't <laughs> expect them to translate into sales but use them to get your message out and gain and visibility gain visibility yeah. and brand awareness correct thank you for that thank you uh i'd love to have you back when we have more time to discuss you know more about marketing yeah definitely willing. yeah um and we could do a whole other topic about marketing strategy or SEO or whatever, or analytics. Because analytics is like, people think it's really boring, but it's very, very interesting. <laughs> Love to know more. I, and, you know, I think, what you know, stating the obvious here, but I think the whole idea of building a website and leaving it alone is gone. I mean, you just have oh, to no, no, be, no. yeah, you have to, you have to, you need somebody that's focused on it. Yeah, right. That's why blogs are so important because Google indexes your website every 30 days. And if you don't have new content on your website, it's not, you know, indexing it to be on that search. Interesting. So, oh, the little things that you know, see the minutia, the minutia. So we'd like to play a little game, Michelle. Is it's it called is a really quick one? It is. It's okay, called this good. or that. Ten questions. You say which one you like. I give you. I give you an option of one or the other, ten times. But in one on one occasion, you can say both, and on one occasion, you can say neither. Okay. Otherwise, you got to pick one or Just the other. You ready? One. One occasion. Yeah. Okay. Just one occasion, right? So number one, Disney or Universal Studios. Universal. <gasps> Two, TikTok or Instagram stories? TikTok. Three, hashtag or link? Link. Four, Florida or New York? New York. <laughs> Five, curly or straight? Curly. Six, discovery or execution? Discovery. Seven, Nathan's or Hebrew National? Nathan's. Yay. Eight, roller coaster or Ferris wheel? Roller coaster. Of course. <laughs> Nine, early morning or late night? Neither. <laughs> Ten, martini or margarita? I'm a margarita person now. I was a martini, but margarita. Okay. I, I thought you might have said both, which would have been a very well-played game, I must say. But Margarita, it is. What'd you think? How fun. I learned a lot today. I learned a lot. You know, I did not grow up in the world of marketing. Mm -hmm. And um, I, I could sit and listen to her. And yeah, even talk about things like analytics, which is not something that is ever in my purview. But now I want to have her back. I want to I learn more. Yeah, I think there's so much more we can all learn about marketing, marketing events, marketing our companies. And 
those of us who are a little older really need to get past the idea that it's a one and done is not it's constant it's fluid and uh you know we don't rely on the internet at bolada to get business but we do rely on our site being a calling card yes and to be able to send people there right and for them to see the context of our work and the professionalism the artists and so that's key i think for mm -hmm. us and you know i don't i i've felt that internet marketing wasn't really the right avenue for us because people will shop and use the internet to shop and then make decisions in our business mm -hmm. And we're not looking for the shopper. We're looking for somebody who wants an experience curated yes. or right, or needs ideas or, um, you know, is, is looking for quality. Not that we can't do inexpensive, but on the internet, I have found that you get a lot of, uh, voyeurs of information and then they do what they want to do. Right. So, right. yeah. So, but we for need people looking to partner with us to help them. Exactly. And, you know, I think the, the key for an event is, uh, and, and my friend John Martin said this a long time ago, is the idea that you're giving somebody something they can't get anywhere else. It's that compelling idea that you want to put in your marketing that suggests that this is going to be an experience unlike any other. And this is the time to market experiences because they're valuable right now. And it's subjective, right? And right yes. now the subjective uh, value placed on events is very, very high. <laughs> so uh, it's a good time. It is. It's a great time to take advantage of that and get people excited and create packages and develop. Yeah, it, it very, very much is. Uh, so that's it. That was that's it for today. Uh, the last Monday that we will be together in May next week is Memorial Day. So we will be recording on another day. We'll be in June and June. Uh, is going to be a bit of a month of transition, it feels like, yes. opening up. And did you know that the Pops marketed, advertised the concert for this Friday night out at the Shell, at the, Ra at the Rady Shell at Jacobs Park? I did not know that. Yes, I just uh, got the notice today. And also the notice that it's the Rady Shell at Jacobs Park, uh, because it's always been a shell, but I guess they got some sponsors. And so uh, they're doing a Broadway uh, performance this Friday night. And I really hope to go. I don't think I could make it, but we walked by the Rady Shell at Jacobs Park yesterday. <laughs> With Lucy, because I, I wanted to get a feel for it. We had a discussion today with a client about how to how to use that park. And so I wanted to go take a look at it. And it really does look exquisite. They've raked the ground so that um, 
the the ground is is raised you know so that it gives you that theater effect if you will if you're walking to a theater it, they've also uh created um vertical uh truss sections in the audience that surround the audience and will focus lighting on the audience and will focus the sound on the audience oh wow which is really nice. So what it means is they won't have to be very loud uh, and you'll get a feeling of symphonic feeling wherever you are in the audience. Uh, and what, what invariably happens there is that people enjoy the concert who don't buy tickets. And I think their new sound scaping will make that more difficult because they won't have to get as loud for people at the back of the house to hear it. That's smart. Uh, yeah, That's very, very smart. smart. Very smart. And also the raking of the ground makes it impossible to be at the east end of that lot or across the lot where there's now a basketball court and see the concert. It's impossible. You can't see it. So they really, it's incredible what they did to, to sort of privatize the experience there. I can't wait to see it. it I'm intrigued now. It's, 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 phenomenal and when you first look at it it's breathtaking and a bit ominous because it looks a little bit out of this world depending on the angle and the backstage looks incredible it just looks so beautiful i'm dying to see it and i can't wait for my friend Paige satter to take <laughs> us on a tour Paige yes, Paige. satter yes please page yes, so excited page yes it just looks exquisite. I'm so excited. And I really wanted to get tickets for this first season. And I may, but um, they're, they're doing three to six concerts packages, but they don't start until August, the packages. And I'm just concerned that everything is starting in August and it's going to be crazy. Yeah. yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know though. Maybe, maybe I need to do that and make it a business and, and take that day right, right and take that day that that uh cherish day or two off that we spoke about at the beginning and and go enjoy your time and outdoors and i mean and that, i loved going to concerts there you know my former in-laws were symphony members so yes. it, it's just so incredible and i can't wait to see what it's it is like now yeah, it's I it should be visually more beautiful and also audibly it should be better. The one thing that we noticed that I, I I'm suspecting has not quite been touched is the LED screens that they've got on mm -hmm. either side of the proscenium, which are way too tiny. <laughs> They look like postage stamps. So they either need to go or they need to be expanded. Um, I had heard that they might be doing some LED in the shell, but uh, but I didn't see any of that. Of course, it's hard to see because you can't get in there. You're sort of right. taking through fences. Uh, but but yeah, it's, it's going to be quite interesting. And I look forward to having the opportunity to work there with our Latitude and NARP clients. At the end of the September month, beginning of October. Yes. All right. Anything, any famous last words? Oh, uh, not today. I'm, I'm, I'm wisdomed out. I uh, um, just am looking forward to, I, things are heating up and I'm looking forward to it. 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a crazy last quarter this, mm -hmm. this year. And uh, yeah, looking forward to it as well. So that's it then from us. Uh, thank you for joining us today. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. Whether you listen to us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else. If you happen to listen to us at Apple Podcasts, please give us five stars. Please. Alex is worth every single one of them. Thank you. He sure is. I can promise you that. Hey, and if you have a question or a comment, uh, just go to bolotta.com. That's B-O-L-L-O-T-T-A.com and look for the podcast tab and leave us your comment or question and we'll be sure to address it on our next podcast. Until then, have a great day and goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs>